Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Forest. I'm your host, Cameron Limbs Debro. It's Clemson week, one of my favorite weeks of all time, not so much by the record, but because I love playing really, really good teams. Part since we've come off by week, I always love making sure to get a voice of the other side. We've watched Clemson for five games this year, but it's really hard to get a sense of what this team really is without taking a look through the looking glass. So I'm honored to be joined by Chapel Fowler. Chapel, how are you doing today? Good, man. Thanks for having me. So I always like the little ethos part of the podcast, just to say, you know, who you are, where you're from. How did you get into covering Clemson? Great question. Um, so I am a North Carolina guy, born born and bred. Um, I grew up near Charlotte in Denver, North Carolina, which is not the Colorado one, which I have to tell everybody <laughs> all the time. Um, good icebreaker. But I went to high school down there. I went to UNC Chapel Hill 2016 to 2020. Um, that's where I graduated from, right in the smack middle of COVID. So uh, <laughs> no formal <clears throat> no formal graduation ceremony. Um, didn't get that till about 15 months later. But uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I studied sports journalism in college and, and just coming out, I had uh, three different jobs, you know, kind of small high school preps type job and then a bit of a mid-sized, um, you know, recruiting coverage type job. And now um, since June of 21, I've been down here in South Carolina covering Clemson. Um, so it was really just a opportunity that popped up and obviously a, a good one. You know, I was always interested in doing some some beat writing on a college level um, and obviously a pretty nationally relevant program. So fun opportunity. It's certainly a unique beat um, <laughs> and a unique team to cover, um, but but it's always uh, it's always something new every day. So it's been fun. You talked about it being unique. What is it like covering Dabo Swinney from day to day, week to week? Well, he is <clears throat> he is r- routinely available. We we figured out us the beat writers one time that if you want to talk about media availabilities where we have a chance to ask him questions directly, that's four times in seven days during the season. And if you add in his radio show, Chelsea. it's five consecutive days. I mean, Saturday post game, Sunday teleconference, um, Monday radio show, which you can listen into, of course. Um, Tuesday, formal weekly presser. And then Wednesday, final availability, you know, wrap up post-practice Zoom. Um, so he is, he's quite available. Um, you always kind of got to be on guard for for what he says. Because, um, you know, he is kind of, <laughs> he's on that level to where you know, he's one of those coaches in the sport just because of what he's accomplished. That like his takes on portal stuff, recruiting stuff, big issues in the sport. In the same way that Dave Clawson is, I think he, he's also on that level just with how thoughtful and smart and involved in all the coaches stuff he is. Um, on top of just week-to-week stuff and his his penchant for occasionally saying something a little crazy <laughs> or inflammatory um, and just being kind of loose and really honest about stuff, um, they, there's kind of, there's always something to write about. You know, like what, what Dabo says is often a story in itself. Um, and that's very different from a lot of other schools. So he's... He's certainly certainly an interesting guy to to cover week to week. So you mentioned the portal, and we'll get a little bit more into football now. Clemson three and two right now, not exactly where Clemson thought they would be. The Clemson fan base thought they'd be, you know, maybe I think at worst four and one was probably the expectation with that Florida State game there. Clemson has notoriously been not adverse to the portal, but it hasn't been a thing there. Is it is it a question that's easily answered? Like, could they have been four and one, five and zero oh, if they used the portal more? Or how do you think that's affected their season so far? Yeah, um, that, that's come up a lot, and it's a good question to, to ponder. I think the way I think about it, at least the way that Clemson and Dabo will will react to, to questions like that or thoughts of that nature, um, I go back to what Roy Williams would always say about like UNC's run of not getting a number of five star basketball recruits. I think Brandon Ingram was in that group, a few other ones, and. 
he'd always get annoyed and he'd be like, guys, you know, it's not like we didn't offer him. It's not like we didn't want him. <laughs> um, they just, they just didn't choose us. Um, Clemson's gone after a few guys. Um, you know, I think there, there was a stretch after the 21 season, they went after, um, a lineman who went from Virginia to yep. Michigan. Um, and I saw him start on Sunday night football last night and another <laughs> lineman who went from law tech to Florida of science Torrance, I think, yep. um, also in the NFL. So they've, they've pursued a few high quality guys, but I mean, it's just nowhere to the level of what an FSU or anyone else is doing. It, it's such a clear difference in strategy. And I think you do see it at wide receiver. Like it's not exactly apples to oranges to say like, if Clemson used a transfer portal, they would have, you know, this wide receiver and this wide receiver and they'd be five and oh. But but I think over time, like the talent kind of stacks up or fails to stack up. Um and as good as some of the guys they have are now at that position, um, it's just not like a go up and get it. Sammy Watkins, Mike Williams, right. T. Higgins, um, even kind of like Justin Rawson who's healthy. Like right. those guys, they do have a I think they have a good wide receiving core. I think it's better this year than it was last year. Um Tyler Brown's a big part of that, really smart recruiting pickup for them. I mean, he was really good against Syracuse. Um, but they have like, you know, when you have Brandon Spector and Hamp Green on scholarship, um, <laughs> that's, that, those, those are, those are good players. Um, Spector's had a few good plays now and then, but like that's as much as they honor those and like recruited those guys and believe in them. Um, Hamp Green's actually a former walk-on that got an extra scholarship um, right. right before camp, but that that's just different. Um Talent wise, like your ceiling, your floor is a lot different um, with, with who you've got in your room, um, just top to bottom. So right. I think I, I, as opposed to it just being like one to one, if Clemson had pursued Keon Coleman per se, like they're five and oh, because um, obviously that goes into what well, a Keon Coleman really want to go there. Like how would that recruiting process have gone? There's a lot of other schools, um, I think, as opposed to one to one. But if you do like 10 to 10, it does stack up over time, like Clemson's decision to not pursue a number of top transfer portal guys that if they pursued them, maybe would have been like, okay, cool. Clemson, let's take a look. Um, I think if you do, you know, if you look at 10 of those guys that maybe they could have gone after, maybe had some interest in decided not to decided to stick with high school guys, right. that stuff over time stacks up to the point where, you know, you might be three and two now versus four and one, you know, maybe right. a few extra bodies at a few extra positions, veteran guys, you know, you can't teach grown man strength. I'm a right. big pickup basketball player. And I feel that all the time. Um, <laughs> Me at 25 versus a dude at 35 is just different. Um, <laughs> definitely the case of college football, 18 versus 24 or oh, something. Uh, I mean, Hartman's killing it at Wake Forest or at Notre Dame. Excuse me. <laughs> Why is that Wake uh, Forest now? <laughs> yeah. Formerly killing it at Wake Forest, now killing it at Notre Dame. Um, those older guys can really, um, you know, they're not going to save you. You can't go 80 transfers a year and win unless Colorado tells you otherwise. Um, <laughs> but they help in certain spots where an 18-year-old kid can't. Um, right. Clemson has decided to just stick with uh, high school recruiting more than anything else. And, you know, it hasn't been terrible by any means. Um, oh, dear. No. But is the top 10 class or top eight class that? Yeah. I mean, the, the recruiting is steady <laughs> and as good as it's ever been. Um, but just given where the sport is right now, it's definitely an interesting right. question. Um, and you always wonder, like, when is the dam going to break? Is it ever going to break in terms of them really committing to that stuff? I mean, I, I do like the wide receivers this year better than I have the last couple of years. I'm excited to see Troy Stellato is actually an actual person uh, for the Wake fans. Troy Stellato is a wide receiver for Clemson. I There was a couple of years where he was just banged up forever, and people thought, is he actually real at this point? But I think he got a touchdown last week against Syracuse. Um, looks good. And the offense has taken a step forward 
just from the yardage perspective, 410 total yards last year up to 557 this year. But it's really been in the passing offense, 232 to 272. What have you seen out of Cade Klopnik, who, you know, last year when he came in, albeit outside of the UNC game, didn't look good. And then, you know, this year started off a little, eh, what, what has his growth been over the last three or four weeks? Uh, dramatic, honestly, to me, what watching him in person, um, all five games this season, all of his appearances last year, um, two games in a row, he has kind of, um, avoided those killer mistakes. Um, you know, I think that the strip sack against FSU, um, you obviously want to hold on to that ball, but you're also getting blasted by a linebacker, fifth year guy who's really good coming in at however many miles per hour. I don't <laughs> even know. Um, because more than anything else, more than you hanging onto the ball too long or doing something wrong, your running back just totally whiffed in pass protection. Um, now again, that's one big play, and that's not that's not like bizdelic logic to be like you know. But um, <laughs> but if you look at FSU and Syracuse games and what he's done outside of just specifically that play, which to be fair was huge, um, right. it is. I don't want to say it's like a totally different dude, um, but he is. He's he's dealing in a way that he hasn't. Um, you know, I think coming in against UNC in the title game like he did, UNC also has a penchant for getting burned by backup quarterbacks. Um, every, every fan base also thinks that a backup quarterback's coming in, we're getting torched. I have seen that sentiment so many times. That, that I I mean, having having cover UNC as a student and a little bit in, in previous jobs, like they have gotten torched by many a backup quarterback. Uh, so take that with a grain of salt. But I think the way K was just like, Comfortable playing free, chucking up deep balls against UNC in kind of a no pressure environment. Um, I think, you know, they, they had told him, you know, you're going to come in on the third series against UNC. No matter what, we're going to see what happens. It was kind of loose, stress free. He's talked a lot about getting back to that level um, of, of kind of just playing, not thinking too hard, just like doing what he did in high school. He talks a lot about how this Garrett Rally offense feels a lot like what he did in high school. And I think he was something like 27 and 0 as a starter as a junior and a senior in like Texas's top classification. Um, but I think it, it, he's being smart. Um, he's pushing it downfield, which they need, you know, right. you, you draw PIs. That's good. Um, incomplete pass. Sure. Just it's stretching the defense. Um, Make him respect it. Yeah. So, some of, some of the pass charts, um, <clears throat> if you looked at like, you know, where he was throwing the ball against Duke, against uh, Charleston Southern FAU in these early games, um, it was just a preponderance of, of, short passes and a total lack of <laughs> downfield stuff. Um, and he can throw those. And that's something they didn't have last year um, for the most part with DJ Uyunglele. Um, and it's one of the reasons Cade was so good against UNC in Tennessee, um, despite some freshman mistakes. So I think he's kind of gotten back to that freewheeling. You know, he's a little, he's a little um, Johnny football, Pat Mahomes and the way he scrambles around and stuff. Right. Uh, nothing, anything close talent wise, but just in terms of like, that freewheeling, like, oh, shoot, here he goes again, backpedaling 30 yards, sprinting, chucking it up. Um, that is kind of, yeah, <laughs> kind of that backyard football style is it, part of his game. And I think he's gotten back to that these last two weeks. Well, also, you know, he's hitting the checkdowns. I think checkdowns are such a smart, important part of, like, a good quarterback's right. repertoire just to be like, you know what, let me take six yards right here. Um, he had a great throw against FSU, like, one of the better ones I've seen him make all year. Um hung in the pocket, got absolutely creamed and, and hit the tight end, um, like down right in the red zone. Um, you mentioned Stolato. The throw to Stolato might have been you – know, I was talking about that throw. That might have been the best throw he's had all year. He it was good. Stepped up, uh, juked a guy, scrambled right, just an absolute dot in stride to Stolato. 
corner of the end zone. I mean, that was like a professional throw. Um, and I think more than anything else, he's just growing. And I think that comes with time. You know, he started, he started five games this year. He started just one game last year. Technically, I mean, it really was two with UNC, but he didn't start start. So right. like, he's a young dude and he, he's growing. Um, and that's part of it. And obviously that puts you in a spot where his mistakes early gets you to three and two to the point where you're uh, essentially out of the CFP already. But um, I think the development these last two weeks specifically um, has been more of what Clemson has been saying all along about here's who this guy is on a consistent level. Um, And I think we're kind of seeing that now. So, you know, I'm not going to necessarily skip over the running backs. Will Shipley and Phil Moffa are two absolute dudes. And I feel like we know who they are right now, but the more important part is who's blocking for them. I feel like it's been a bit up and down the last I want to say five games, really the last year or so at, at offensive line. What's really been going on up front for Clemson? Yeah, I mean, this was not a year I was on the beat, but I think you could stretch it back to 2021, even um, offensive line wise. They had a number of injuries, a number of kind of piecemeal offensive lines. Um, and I, I think more than anything else, like there was a play against Cuse that stood out to me. Obviously, you won by 17, everything's good. Um, but they got down to like a third and two at Cuse's five-yard line. Um, and Will Shipley takes a carry up the middle and goes zero yards, right. fourth and two. And then the offensive line just gets pushed back by Syracuse and Kate gets sacked, you know, doesn't even get a pass off. Like those are two plays that to me, like that's a little jarring for you to say, you know, Dabo said many times, like we should be four and oh, we should be five and oh, minus one or two plays. Like the turnovers have killed us. Besides that, we could be top five nationally. Like, if you say that and then you're also getting kind of pushed back against against a Q's defense that really is one of the smaller defensive lines they'll right. face all and, year. And no offense to Q's, they're not necessarily – I don't think they're great, but they're not they, – eh, they're eh. – Of course, yeah. Like, I mean, that's still – that is still a power five defense with scholarship guys. But if if you're saying you're on this level and, and you're kind of getting bullied um, but by a team that is just – I mean, if you – did Clemson offensive line star recruit rating um, <laughs> versus Syracuse defensive line star recruit rating right. – it's different, right? Um, so those two plays, I was like, wow, it, it's it's impressive by Syracuse, maybe a little bit disappointed or, or questionable from Clemson that, you know, here, here's two plays in a critical sequence. Um, I think actually after that is when um, Q's kind of made their second half run that, that scared Clemson for a little bit. Um, to not get that push right there was interesting. I don't know, that's just two plays. Um, but this year offensive line-wise, I mean, it was supposed to be a strength uh because they had four or five starters returning. The only guy they lost was their left tackle, Jordan McFadden, who won the blocking trophy as the ACC's best offensive lineman. Um, and I think it's been good, but but not exactly where it needs to be. You know, they've had a few sack-free games, but they've had a few slip-ups too. And um, right guard's kind of an issue right now. They're, they're starting right guard. Walker Parks is out for the year. They have a backup in. Mitchell Mays, actually a Raleigh guy. Leesville Road, shout out. Um, <laughs> and... He, Dabo said he played his worst game of the year against Syracuse. Um, just said that straight up. And, you know, they rotated in some other guys. They're switching two guys at left tackle who have been okay, but ideally you'd like one person to emerge there. Um, so if I were to rank like best Clemson position groups out of whatever, there's seven or eight, um, right. offensive line would be somewhere, somewhere in the middle, I think. Okay. Um, I'd say passable and, you know, rushing attack has been fine, um, but I'm sure they would tell you as much. There's a few extra levels they can reach, especially in those kind of, They've gotten Clemson's gotten stuff on a number of like short running plays right. really that the offensive line should be able to assist in not letting happen. Right. So before we kick it over to the defense, you know, one thing that's kind of not 
bewildered me, but is interesting is the coach is the coaching staff. You've mentioned the turnovers. You've mentioned there's been some inconsistencies here. Clemson's a lot younger in the coaching staff than a lot of people realize. I think outside of really Garrett Riley and maybe Thomas Austin, there's just not a whole lot of prior experience before. I think a lot of guys have been either GAs, support staff, or just this is really their first sort of thing. Does that play into sort of some of the inconsistencies you've seen on the offensive side? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that comes with learning on the job, but it also raises the valid question of, like, do you need to subject yourself to that? You know, Dabo is fiercely loyal to his guys and <clears throat> would, would publicly tell you, you know, I have all the support and, and respect in the world for a Tyler Grisham um, or a CJ Spiller or even to the defensive side, um, some of those guys. Um, but when the when the execution errors stack up in the way that they have this year and you keep blaming coaching, you have to be like, okay, well, what are you going to do now or later to fix that? Um, like, I, I don't think, I think, I don't know if, Coaches think some fans appreciate hearing a coach say, like, that's on me. I think a lot of fans, when they hear that, just get even more, like, frustrated. Um, but the interesting thing is, like, it, it, it's flaring up, not just with some of these younger guys, but, like, across the board. Like, they've had to, um, you know, they had to burn a timeout late against FSU because defensive guys weren't lined up right. Two guys were covering a wheel route on, like, a critical third down. And not having that timeout kind of came back to bit him in the butt um, at the end of that game. Um, offensively, you hire – Garrett Riley, however many million a year, um, and, and him and Dabo decide on a uh, like a wide receiver screen on third and two or, or an RPO for Kate Klubnik in that critical overtime sequence. So they essentially said after the fact, like, why the heck did we do that? We're kicking ourselves. Um, he can make that throw. But if all we have to do is run the ball for like one or two yards with Phil Moffa, who was averaging like seven yards a carry that game, why didn't we just do that? So it's a lot of after the fact, like, gosh, that could have been better. Um and that that also adds up. Turnovers add up. That stuff adds up. And I think um, it definitely is shining through a little bit. And and it's like it's top down. Like Dabo has like said, like yeah, I wish I wish we had called this differently. Like we got to get better about executing this, executing that. Um, I think they're all kind of having little mini come to Jesus moments right now, um, especially after those two losses. Makes sense. So the cream and the, the the cream and crop of Clemson has been defense over the last since I have been really like 2014, 2015 defense has been Clemson's calling card. I'm going to start with the negative, then we'll go to the positive. The negative I feel like has been the defensive line. I feel like it hasn't been as efficient and effective as we've seen in the past. I think from the sacks wise, they've gone down from 3.1 ish to 2.2. Is it a deaf thing? Is it an execution wise? You know, what's been going on up front for the Clemson I think um, a little bit of what I was talking about with the offensive line, you know, th- this group is very talented. They they flash a lot. They've got a lot of good players. Um, but this date back to the Notre Dame game last year, I mean, they got pounded for like 250 rushing yards. Um, they got all the talent in the world and they show it often. Um, but, but there are some times on and off where they don't really have that push, um, that relentlessness, that, that get in the backfield and mess with the quarterback and pull a Seahawks against Daniel Jones on Monday night um, <laughs> with those 11 sacks and 25 pressures. Um, Daniel they Jones, Sander, the, will get you <laughs> everywhere, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> they, have, they have the talent to do it. A lot of great dudes. It doesn't happen all the time. Um, and I think, every, I mean, what college defensive line doesn't have a crappy game every now and then? Right. Um, I, I still think in terms of, like, position groups, that's probably been one of their – better ones this year but you know I was, I was talking with a friend last night and I was like I, I feel like I've not said Tyler Davis's name like 
many times at all this year. That, that's yeah. a three-time All-ACC guy who came back for a fifth year. Um, he single-handedly won the game against Wake Forest last year. He yeah, yeah, he was <laughs> amazing on that last overtime drive. Um, you know, I don't, I don't feel like he's really, like, had his pop play yet. Um, I will say T.J. Parker, their freshman defensive end. Um, so good. He's been excellent. I mean, he was excellent against Syracuse. And then Justin Maskell, Xavier Thomas, I think those two guys really, like, were not – at the level they wanted to be at early, but last two games, they have really like turned it up. Those are two six year guys that came back and started and, and you know, feel like they can really help him make an impact. Xavier Thomas was a beast against Florida state. Uh, Maskell was the one who had that crazy hit on Schrader on that first drive <laughs> Saturday, which really, I mean, momentum turned right there and the garbage so, targeting that it was just a yeah. good hit. <laughs> yeah. It looked from the press box. It looked bad. Uh, one of the, one of his, <laughs> One of the uh, the guy who recovered it, Peyton Page, defensive lineman, another mm-hmm. North Carolina shout out, Greensboro Dudley. Um, he was talking to us yesterday at media availability and said um, he heard the hit. He didn't see the hit, but he was like <laughs> he was like backward and he heard the hit and turned around and then he just sees the balls in front of him so he dies on it. Um, that that was I mean that play was huge. That might have been the biggest play of that huge game. So those guys have turned it up a little bit. Peter Woods is maybe not making yeah. the number of plays as TJ Parker in terms of like pure stats, but they love him. Um, and I'm sure any other coaches staff would tell you like he's a load to to deal with and game plan for, you know, he's, he's a co-starter as a true freshman on a very talented defensive line. So I think that tells you all you need to know. Um, but especially as they get into more of these, you know, this is from, from now on it's ACC and, and Notre Dame and South Carolina um, for Clemson. So I think we are really in that stretch where, like you say you're one of the best defensive lines in the country, like show it to me week in, week out. Um, they have the guys to do it. I don't think they totally showed that against Duke one bit. Um, Florida State, a little bit better. But, you know, here comes a stretch of win or go home games in terms of ACC championship stuff. Like your slim hopes will become about damn near impossible um, if you slip up along these lines. And, you know, you've recruited all these guys for a reason. So I think it's definitely – a, a, it's an opportunity for them to be like, you know, this is why we're Clemson defensive line university. We're going to show you why the baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to fantasy baseball today. Part of the CBS sports podcast network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Then you look at the linebackers. Clemson, you think about them as defensive defensive linemen. Three of the last four years, they've gotten a linebacker drafted in Tanner Muse and uh, Balen Specter. And last year with, uh, what was it? Oh, yeah. Simpson. It's Trent Simpson. And now you sit here and you have Jeremiah Trotter Jr. and Bear Car- Barry Carter, and you're just like, <laughs> these guys are just still so good. I think the depth has been, is a little bit questionable, but you know, I don't know if there's a better two to three grouping. What have you seen out of the linebackers so far this year? 
depth is a is a great, really smart thing to bring up. Um, just to recap, last year out of their linebacking group, they lost Levante Bentley to Colorado. Um, Keith McGuire decided to not take an extra year and just like move on from football. And then in like June, they had a linebacker um, dismissed from the team for a violation of undisclosed team rules, TJ Dudley. Um, so they are down to Carter, Trotter, Wade Woodass, who kind of rotates between linebacker and also kind of the nickel Sam star, like hybrid safety position. And then they've got um, their two backups, Jamal Anderson and D Crate. And I may be missing one, but it's either five or six scholarship linebackers. So and, and Trotter and Carter. Yeah. Not to not to cut you off, but if you, that name Jamal Anderson rings a bell to you, that is Jamal Anderson's kid. You are yes. that old. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, that is uh, that is uh, Jamal Anderson's kid. There's uh, too many of those popping up nowadays, even for me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Carter and Trotter have kind of been Ironmen. I think last year they missed a combined like one game with injury, played a stupid amount of the snaps. They're doing the same thing this year. Um, I think it's mostly sustainable. Um, Trotter had a few, like, he didn't look great in coverage against Syracuse, um, got burnt a few times. But I think top to bottom, like, those are two guys where they're so consistent um, and and they kind of just, they're there, they get a lot of tackles, they play all the snaps, they kind of hold it down. Um, It's crazy because, I mean, both those guys could be, like, high draft picks next year. Um, But you kind of forget about them sometimes um, just because they're so steady. They plug up the gaps, they they stop the run. Um, and then they'll make a big play. Like Trotter had an interception last week against Syracuse um with Cuse down like 10 points, I think, at yeah. that point. Um, that really kind of that happened in fans started heading for the exits. So they'll make their pop plays now and then. They're not without their errors. If you remember Barrett Carter was a guy who whiffed on Riley Leonard in the opener on that super long touchdown run that kind of broke the game open for Duke. Um, but I'd say just consistency from them. I'd say the defensive line is maybe working to get to that totally consistent level. I'd say linebackers are basically there uh, game in game out. You kind of know what you're going to get from them. And that's really helpful. But, you know, the last part of it before there's always, there's always one special teams questions here. And I know Clemson has their own fun of that. Uh, the, the corners last year, Dave Clawson said it in his press conference yesterday that it was a bad day to be a corner in press coverage. Like I both wakes and, there was a baptism by fire for Clemson's corners that year. What kind of, since that game, what have you seen out of the guys there? I know a guy like Nate Wiggins has been in and out with some injuries, but it's felt like a group that's younger than we think, but it's kind of had some success. Yeah. um, That came up in Dabo Sweeney's presser yesterday. Also just that game is kind of being like, Oh my goodness. Talk about trial by fire. I mean, it was a flag on the field. Every other play. (laughs) I tweeted yesterday. It was either the two things I remember from that game were just an obscene number of pass interference flags and the Aaron Judge uh, home run, <laughs> home run chase uh, split screen thing <laughs> that everybody was mad about. Thankfully, in the press box, we didn't have to deal with that. But uh... <laughs> I didn't. I was at the game and I just keep. I kept getting tweets and texts about Aaron Judge and I was like, "What's going on?" I sit here and watch the game over on Monday and I'm like, "Oh yeah, no." Now I see why people are pissed off about this. <laughs> <laughs> it was madness. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess since then, uh, Nate Wiggins and, and multiple coaches, Dabo included, have kind of said that game was big for him because I don't know, you're, you're everybody's a huge recruit in high school. I think Nate, Nate Wiggins was a really highly recruited guy yeah. who maybe didn't even get to Clemson until right around signing day 21, um, like in February, like late, right. um, getting pursued by a lot of SEC schools. Like, you know, he, he, you don't have a bad day in your life when you're a high school quarter like that. Yeah. Um, and here he is on national TV just getting, 
interference after interference purely like beat 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 um but if you remember he he ended that season with the pick six against Drake May in the yeah. ACC title game and would have been the ACC championship game MVP in my opinion if not for um Klubnik doing right. what he did That's I think Wiggins even I think I think Wiggins even blocked a field goal in that game yeah too. he did yeah, he was uh, like all over the place he's all over the place so he's a freak um again he's he's like TBD for this week with this knee injury he had against Florida State that looked like terrible but apparently isn't that bad but I mean between him Sheridan Jones who's a fifth-year guy and and Jaden Lucas uh who was a high recruit out of down here just right near um Clemson at, at Malden High School um they've got a pretty steady starting three um behind them it's fine you know they have another Big recruit Toriano Pride, who has not played a ton of snaps this year. Big uh, Avion Terrell. Yeah. Avion Terrell, brother of AJ Terrell, if you want to feel old. Uh, there's another brother or son connection for you. Um, but Clemson's talked a lot about we need to improve our passing defense to be better than we were last year. And I think um statistically they're there. Uh interception wise, uh yeah. they've had they've had a decent number. You know, they've had a lot of outside of just corner, but they've had a few younger safeties pop and, and their safeties, Jalen Phillips, RJ Mickens have been really steady. Khalil Barnes has proved to be a very um, good recruit, former Wake Forest. I'm about to say, you're you trying to hurt us right now? <laughs> my favorite recruit in the last, in the last cycle. That was actually if, my favorite recruit. And if, I like, I re- <laughs> if I remember correctly, didn't Clemson offer him and get him to decommit like essentially a week after beating Wake they, or something They offered like him two days before the Wake Clemson game. And then he decommitted about a week and a half later. Oh. And it was, it was, it was tough. <laughs> I mean, I, I, he would be, I don't think he'd be starting for a week, but he would definitely be playing a lot of snaps, but yeah. And he's yeah. the same way with Clemson. He, yeah. he's only started because of injury to Andrew McCuba, right. uh, in one game, but he's, his snaps are ramping up. Um, so I think they feel good about the young defensive backs. Jaden Lucas has, has kind of emerged as a third starter and he got torched a lot in that Wake Forest game last year. He actually allowed, um, the man coverage touchdown to Keon Coleman in the Florida State yeah. game. Um, that gave them the go-ahead overtime score that they obviously um, wrapped up with that uh, club nick incompletion down there after that questionable play <laughs> call we mentioned. But, <clears throat> yeah, I'd say in terms of consistency, uh, I'd put linebackers at the top, and then I think defensive line and, and secondary kind of behind them, maybe like 2A, 2B in terms of this is, you know, we're getting everything we want from these guys from a Clemson perspective. Um I'd say again, like up, upper upper mid tier, certainly not elite. Yeah. You know, certainly prone to the occasional bust, but uh, maybe not as many as we were seeing last year, uh, especially early. And I think it's just the experience of those guys that I mentioned: Wiggins, Lucas, Pride, and again Jones is a fifth year guy. So um, just a more more experienced group, and that seems to be helping them just a little bit. And I, and I think that's something where with Clemson, you kind of see the adage of like turnovers can really just change how a defense looks. Like. I, I think they've been, like you said, I think they've been upper upper echelon, maybe not so much the Clemson of old, but they've given up some, some stuff and you don't feel great. And then you turn around and the ball's on the ground and it's like, that doesn't matter anymore. And I feel like that's been the calling card from the last couple of years. Of, and even last year, I mean, they were pretty eh in past defense, but one of the best teams in turnovers. And it's just, yep. that's, you can't, you can't do anything with that. So the, gr- the great equalizer, yeah. uh, as many people call it. <laughs> so, you know, before we wrap things up and get towards, you know, kind of predictions and things of that nature, what's going on with the kicking game? <laughs> like what, like, can you make, can you make field goals? Do we have another investment banker coming in? What What's going on here? <laughs> oh, okay. Let's see if we can go from the beginning. Um, BT Potter 
was yes. Clemson's kicker for four or five years. Excellent dude. Um, I think he left as their all-time leader in, in field goals made or something like that. Um, I think he tied their record for most appearances ever as a Clemson player, 68, 69 or something. Um, so he was gone after 2022. They recruited a kicker, Robert Gunn III, had him on scholarship in the 23 class, supposed to come in as a true freshman um, and kind of secure and just take over that spot. Um they also had a preferred walk-on guy, Liam Boyd, who's from Asheville, um, who could have gotten a scholarship at a lot of other places, but decided to go to Clemson and, and you know, competed out. Those two guys competed in spring practice 23 just a few months ago. Um, Gunn won out that battle. Boyd transferred to UNC. So now you got Robert Gunn third and, like, three walk-ons behind him. So, Joy. again, safe to say, if Robert Gunn's not good, you're in trouble. Right. Robert Gunn misses two field goals against Duke. I was actually really surprised I asked Dabo post game. I thought that maybe that the protection was off on one of those two field goals or both. And he said, no, both of those field goals were on gun. He kicked it too low yeah. against Duke. It was two blocks. I thought at least one had to be something about it. Like on the edge, like not getting this block or something, pinned it totally on the kicker. Um, and then he was fine against Charleston Southern, made a short field goal. Florida, Florida Atlantic game was what really turned it for him. Shanked a PAT and, and missed um, <clears throat> like a mid, mid, distance field goal um and and the field goal wasn't particularly close um that was said after that game you know we were close to pulling him we would have put in our punter um if we really needed to and then lo and behold the very next day news breaks that uh he, he's called up a former former walk-on who's taken online nba classes in charleston um to be the new kicker and then obviously jonathan whites comes in and, and misses against florida state um and he, I think he was one for two against yeah. Hughes and actually made one of pretty significant distance. Um, but yeah, at, at this point, it's still really weird. Um, Debo said Whites is the guy um, in, in short to like mid-range field goals. But at the same time, like if it's long and they need one, they might bring Gunn back in. Gunn still does the uh, the kickoffs. Um, so it, it's an interesting situation. You know, Whites, for what it's worth, like he makes his PATs. So if that's what you're looking for, if that's the baseline, <laughs> he does that. Um but I, I wouldn't be surprised if if there, there's a little bit more flip flopping there later in the year if, if Whites doesn't get up to that consistent level because all they want right now is a consistent guy who can make like 30, 35 yarders you know and, and it, it doesn't matter who that is like they'll they'll rotate till they find it um, right. but that is that's one of a few uh, special teams things that are kind of like costing them on and off this year they haven't they, I think if you look at like the S and P ratings or the special teams kind of analytics stuff they they really have not been good in that category I, I like for a few years yes. <laughs> which surprises you i, I think at a, at, a, at a top tier program you know all sides of the ball are pretty good especially special teams and then it's felt like outside of you know potter's kicks i mean i remember last year with wake we clausen would just kick it to Dabo's son kicked it to him what three or four times until Dabo finally gave up and put Antonio Williams yep, there. Yeah, finally adjusted. And, of, <laughs> and that led to like a game time touchdown drive or something. Yes, think, right? Yeah, yeah. led to them tying the game. But it's like, how do you have that much of a weakness necessarily at a crucial thing? And yeah, the special team isn't necessarily the most heralded position, but you play it every, almost, you play it every game. It's interesting that they don't really have, now they have someone who entitles a special teams coordinator um, on their assistant staff, obviously. Um, it was, it was Mickey Kahn like three years ago. I think it's been Mike Reed the, the last two years. Um, okay. But they kind of do like a more like they don't really have a devoted full time. Like they don't have a Pete Limbo on their staff. Okay. Um, Interesting. They have like a few 
analysts that really work on it. And they have this guy, Bill Spears. I think that's what his name is. Who's like their director of special teams, which is like a not exactly on-field assistant coaching position, but kind of works on their stuff. Um, his his son was the punter for a while. Um, but it's a different way to do it for sure. Um, and when you look at the rankings, um, I, I think it goes to show you how that can sometimes bite you in the butt versus like South Carolina, like where they are in those rankings and everything they yeah. do special teams wise, critical part of the game. And, and Limbo is probably the best, one of the best special teams coordinators oh, in the country. Easily. And that, I mean, that helped them against Clemson. You know, Antonio Williams fumbled that punt return. That, that's why South Carolina had a, had a chance to put it away and did. So yeah. uh, it, it catches up. So, Chapel, so what, I don't know how much you've seen of Wake, but from what you have, what kind of scares you about this matchup this on Saturday and what kind of gives you a bit of you know, optimism that Clemson's going to cover a 21 point spread? <laughs> let's, let's call us being a spade here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, I'd love to get some some quick thoughts from you about kind of what, what you've seen. I know what, like, what is a, what does a three and one wake record mean to you right now? Uh, is, is it, is it an actual three and one? Is it a tainted three and one because of strength of schedule? How would you kind of portray their, their season so far? It's it's the season's been interesting to say the least. I think there are a lot of parallels between Clemson and wake right now in terms of a quarterback that, you know, had, has, has had a start or two in the past but is really now in his first few games of learning how to be a starting quarterback. And we're seeing that. And then everything around him is kind of starting to fall apart a little bit. I think they've missed Donovan green a a bit more than people thought than I thought even because there's been times that you've had a young guy like Wesley Grimes, who's made some spectacular catches has also led to a pick six because he ran the wrong route. You've got the offensive line. There's been some shuffling out. They'll get Spencer clap back at left tackle but they've been shuffling some guys around on the offensive line and stunts have been a problem for them. And they'll get a, it's just been inconsistent. They'll run a first, they'll run for a first down and then they'll call a normal, you know, just zone run. And then three people pull to the same spot and you just sit there and go, what were you doing five seconds ago? Like, how, like, how does that happen? And there's definitely been some consternation between, you know, the fans and saying, you know, why don't you just put in a different quarterback and a lot of the pushback from, I think, myself and also Dave Lawson yesterday was essentially, are you putting in a new quarterback to this? Like, we can't even trust him to block half the time. Like, sometimes it's a great pass block, and sometimes you're letting it, you're cutting a nose guard. And you could sit here and have Pat Mahomes, and he's not escaping a, a nose guard being cut loose. And so I think 3 1 is about where they should be with how they've played. I don't think it's how they should be in terms of, I think, the talent on the team, but in terms of how they've played, that's. They were they're fortunate to have won one of the games. The other one, they had it like Georgia game. They had a chance to win, or at least come down and tie it. And you know the same sort of mistakes popped up, and which is why I thought the bye week was important to say, hey, everyone, just take a deep breath. I think the young, they're not young, but experienced thing like Dave Clawson said at the beginning of the year is very true. They're not young. It's just when you're going from playing ten to fifteen snaps to now playing fifty to sixty snaps you have to lock in every, every play is important. And I think that's something, at least for Clemson, I've seen, I've seen a little bit of guys trying to grow up and say, Hey, you know, we're only, we've only played 15, 20 snaps here and Mm -hmm. there. Oh no. Now I got to go guard an ACC level guy for 55, 60 snaps. Yeah. That's, that's hard to do. You're used to being like, if you're a receiver, you're used to being, you know, I can just run a fly route at 50 times. No one's going to catch me. No, now I need to actually run my actual route. Right or else it's going to be a pick or else it's going to be an incomplete pass. That's a, that's something you got to learn. So. 
Yeah. I'm if I'm like if I close my eyes, I'm like, how does how does Clemson lose this game? I think it's once again just like stupid, stupid turnovers. Yeah. Like if you're Wake Forest entering this game, you need if there's a pick six, you better not drop it. Like yeah. if there if there's a fumble, you better pick it up. Like you you need to take advantage of the mistakes that Clemson ha- has shown it, it can and will make um this season. And that's gonna that's gonna put you in a spot where it's like 14-14 at halftime, despite Clemson out getting wake by like 150 yards. Um, my my friend Matt Connolly, who used to cover Clemson, still yeah. does. Um, made a joke that some some of the Clemson stats were looking like the the Shohei Otani like uh, Tingus Pingus things, where like <laughs> like Clemson outgained their opponent by this many yards and had this many more first downs, but also lost 31-24 because they had yeah. three turnovers. Um, that's that's like the formula for beating them this year. It, it's not messing up when the turnovers come your way, um, and then probably popping like one or two big plays, whether that's because of a coverage plus or, or whether you have just a really excellent play from a receiver, from a running back. I mean, I remember um, covering Wesley Grimes in, in high school right. um, at Millbrook. He was nasty. I think I, I went to two of his games as like a recruiting reporter. And I think he had three touchdowns in both of them. <laughs> and also like pinned like three punts inside the five yard line. Cause he's a really good punter. Um, and maybe play defensive back too. I don't know. Um, he does but, a lot. He's he's really good, and I know a lot of like Notre Dame and UNC tried to get him to like flip late in that cycle, yeah. offered him and everything. Um, so that's a huge, huge guy to have on their roster. Um, Dabo is also complimentary of like their three running backs, yeah. that trio, and then also said that Wake Forest's defensive backs are some of the most like well coached defensive backs, um, just like year in year out that he's seen, and he think. Thanks, Dave. Who again? They they talk about their their love fest for friends. each other all yeah, the they time. Are, they, they're good friends. They respect the heck out of each other. Um, he said that defensive backs there have always impressed him. A lot of them in the league for a reason. Um, so I think that kind of plays into the turnovers thing. Like you know, I think a, a pick six makes this game a little bit more interesting. Um, and and that's what Wake needs to. I said I just say don't drop it. Don't drop it. Like if there's a wide receiver screaming, you jump <laughs> it. Take that maybe sixty yards, and suddenly uh, Death Valley is a little bit more quiet. So. You talk about the whole, they talk about you know the the Otani stats of you know you did all this stuff and somehow the game's closed. Yeah. I look I'm reminded of the Georgia Tech game two weeks ago where Wake had 29 first downs to Georgia Tech's 13. Wow. And oh. you look at that and they had 14 penalties to Wake's two and granted we've learned that apparently penalties aren't that bad but you start looking you start breaking this down and I go like this is and it comes back to turnovers it's the same sort of thing like Georgia Tech took advantage of when the ball was on the ground or when the ball was being put in peril took advantage of it and that's how I usually think of the the Clemson game as well is mm-hmm. I you can't put the ball in danger and you can't drop a pick like a, last year if Wake gets one stop if they get one pick that game's over and also vice versa from Clemson they got one stop they couldn't get a stop from the second quarter through the first overtime they got one stop at the end of the fourth quarter and one stop at the in the second overtime they win mm-hmm. and that's it's it's easy to say just get a stop, but it's also really hard when you're dealing with a bunch of eighteen to twenty three yeah, year olds. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the hardest part. Well, Chapel, this has been great. Where can the Wake Forest faithful find you and yeah. watch you on Saturday if they need to? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm blessed with a unique enough name, so uh, no dots on my at name. I'm at Chapel Fowler on Twitter. Um, and our coverage is at thestate.com slash sports for everything Clemson and, and South Carolina and otherwise. And that's where awesome. I'll be on Saturday. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Chapel. And as always, good eeks. Appreciate it. Thanks, man.